Chris, thank you for taking the time. How is your day going aside from answering the same five questions over and over and over again? No, I mean, whenever you do something like be involved in a special movie like Terrifier 2, you want to talk about it. And that's why I'm doing this. So ask the same five questions away. <laughs> How long were you on the set for Terrifier 2 for? Um, it was, it was, how long was I on the set? Was it two days? I think it might've been two days that we filmed. Um, and the initial scene was much longer. Uh, the, the ending of the movie had to be switched because in the three years it took to, to make the movie and get it all ready to go. Another movie came out that had the same ending, the literal same ending that we had filmed. So we kind of had to recut it and re and reshoot a couple scenes. Um, but yeah, it was about two nights. And they were cold nights because it was October. It was New York City, Staten Island. We were just getting out of the lockdown. So it was a little bit of a creepy feeling, which fit the vibe perfectly. And we filmed it in a, a, an abandoned mental uh, institution, basically. So, you know, you, you talked about wanting to be creeped out. Well, that's a good way of doing it. It's almost like one of those horror movies within a horror movie. I was waiting for that to happen. So you got to do the Bruce Willis, Nicolas Cage, I'm only available for two days, this is what you got thing? Yeah, and I, and I did the Bruce Willis too, where I demanded that Damien just CGI my face onto my double, and that way I don't even have to show up at all. That is such a great rumor, and I hope that is true. But I, <laughs> I thought this film was actually done in October 2019. You're saying October 2020 is when you oh, filmed yeah, no. Oh, dude, they were filming all the way up to about five months ago or four months ago. I know that Damien had one last kill. I believe it's if it's the guy in the costume shop. They just filmed like literally months ago. So they had such a long uh, wait in between, you know, when lockdown came that I think he, he, he thought about refilming a few things. So, yeah, I filmed, I believe it was October of 20. So it's two years ago now for my involvement. And it still took another two years to, to get the thing out and ready to go. So, you know, they've been meticulously crafting it for many, 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 many years. Oh, okay. I thought it was October, 2019. And I was going to try and figure out how the heck you could launch AEW prep for the cruise, finish the Fozzie album and do that at the same time. But you didn't have, yeah, no, it was the next year. Cause we were, we were still kind of coming out of lockdown. It was New York state. So there were still rules about quarantining and that sort of thing. And it was, uh, it, it wasn't the easiest film, but to, to shoot, but we got her done. Right. So I've read that you've called Art the Clown the most iconic horror clown movie killer that we've had, or basically the most iconic movie killer that we've had since Jason Voorhees and Freddy in the 80s. Uh, what was your introduction exactly to Art the Clown? I was on tour with Fozzie on the bus and Rich Ward, the guitar player in Fozzie said, I, I got this movie, you got to see it. He loves horror movies too. And I was like, that terrifier. I don't even, what does that mean? He goes, it's about this weird clown. I was like, ah, whatever. He goes, and about 20 minutes later, he came back and he said, you got you to watch this. I'm like, okay. And it was the scene, the hacksaw scene. And I remember watching going, this is the most vicious kill I've seen in like 15 years. And I watch a lot of horror movies. Mm -hmm. And then this clown, this character was so riveting to me that I instantly watched the movie and I was just was obsessed with like the movie, the, 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 the grittiness of it, the way it was written. And then of course, Art the Clown himself, which is the most iconic horror movie character in the last 25 years. And I saw that right out of the gate. So I started just promoting the movie and, and telling everybody about it on, you know, on my podcast and, you know, on social media and with 12 million followers, word got around that I was a big fan of the movie. 
and that's kind of how I got connected with David and how I got connected with Damien. And that's the, the, we just moved on from there. What was your introduction to horror? I'm going to guess it was evil dead. No, it's before that. So um, when I was a kid pre VCR, like late seventies, early eighties, I was, uh, I always wanted to, there, uh, on Saturday nights in Winnipeg, there was uh, two horror movies at midnight and like two o'clock mm -hmm. and my mom would let me watch them, but I had to go to sleep first because so, I was probably nine years old. So if I, if I could go to bed at like 10 or 1030 and get an hour and a half sleep, right. I set my alarm for midnight. And if I got up, I was allowed to go downstairs and watch the movies. And nine times out of 10, I did get up. The, the, the one time when I, one out of 10, when I slept in, I would just be so angry at myself for missing these movies. And all of these movies on TV were all the Hammer movies or the Universal Classics. So that was my steady diet of horror. And this is, once again, pre-VHS, you never knew if you're going to get to see this movie again ever. So right. you would, I would watch like very vigilantly. And then when, when VHSs did start coming out, horror was the first genre that really put everything out on video cassette. So when you went to the video store, you know, if the new James Bond movie was out and they would be reserved, or it's, it's reserved for the next three weeks, I could go see I Spit on Your Grave right now or get Mother's Day or whatever it was. So I got a steady yeah. diet then of every weekend. So that's kind of where it all started. And Evil Dead was in that realm. But earlier on, it was Wolfman. It was Frankenstein. It was, it was you know, Blood of Dracula. And, you know, all of the horror of, of the Hammer and the Universals combined was, was kind of my diet when I was a kid. The last time I had the pleasure of interviewing you, I force fed you metal and Van Halen questions. And I asked you, hey, who are your metal Van Halen buddies backstage in AEW? And you mentioned that Moxley has seen the Kiss 80s, mid 80s concert uh, from MTV Animalized Live. <laughs> but who are your horror buddies in AEW? So uh, the Blade and uh, Bunny, his wife, Jesse and, and, and Laura, they're massive horror movie fans. Like they just texted me the other day asking me for uh, Jallo movies, Italian horror movies. Which ones would you watch? And I was like, well, you got to see Suspiria, you got to see Zombie, and you got to see Demons, and you got to see, you know, uh, House by the Cemetery. Um, so they're really in, into the horror vibes. So those are the ones that I talk to the most about kind of this more intricate, like they actually had tickets for Terrifier 2 tonight, but they're not on the show. So they're going in Buffalo. And then Luther and I are going tonight. Luther's a big horror movie fan as well. So th there's a lot of us out there, but, but, but for the really intricate ones, there's only a few. And Terrifier 2 is not the only big thing in your world right now. Of course, Fozzie touring will be resuming in the near future. How's your voice healing up? It's getting better, man. I mean, it's one of those things that I was thinking like, oh, when, when the bruising goes away that you'll just be able to sing again. And it's like, no, it's not like that. If you, you know, tear your shoulder, it doesn't just get better. You got to do the rehab and start with three pound weights. So that's kind of where I'm at. We have a tour that starts in a month mm -hmm. from today in England. Uh, and I started kind of just recalibrating my singing uh, to where we're, we'll be great. We'll be great for the tour. And as I still continue to get stronger, um, you just have to relearn some things and then it's going to come back. So it's, it's going good. It's a lot better now than it was two weeks ago, which was a lot better than it was two weeks before that. So just you know, 32 years in wrestling and, you know, a thousand closed lines over the ropes to the floor, never, never had a problem. This was just one of those things. It was the, the right place at the wrong time or the wrong place at the right time or whatever you want to say. 
Right. Well, down to the last few questions about what else Mr. Jericho is working on. The Jericho 30 book, very well received, a unique book format. Is there another book in the works for you? Not right now, and only because writing a book is a lot of hard work. And even with Jericho 30, which is a book I've been writing my whole career, it still was a lot of work. And there's a certain uh, level of anything that I do, but especially my books, I've had five of them have all been well received. I mean, Jericho 30, no publisher wanted to release it. So I released it myself and made the most money I've made on any book since book one back in 2007. So I have no issues doing another book. I just have to uh, have a, a spare year <laughs> to, to do one. And I'm, I'm not there yet. When the, when, when the inspiration hits, then you're writing nonstop. I'm not there yet. Um, it usually, it's usually three years between books and Jericho 30 is now two years old. So maybe next year at this time, ask me the same question. And we'll see where we're at. We'll do. Next question. Your dad, a New York Rangers legend. The New York Rangers used to practice in this town of Long Beach, Long Island, New York. Were you yeah. out here? Yeah, I was born in Manhasset. So um, I went to practice a bunch of times. I don't know if, they, if that's where they practiced back in 1973. But I remember going to practice with my dad and, and he was, you know, he was maybe there were five people or maybe there was a hundred when you're a little kid, you don't know. Right. And he was signing autographs and somebody asked me to sign my autograph and I didn't know how to sign my name yet. So I just signed X. Now, I don't know if that is actually a true story, but in my memory, that's my memory of it, of signing X, or maybe I, I signed a, but I didn't know my right. I was three years old. I didn't know how to write my fucking name. So I remember, I literally remember signing my first autograph was some X or some fucking symbol for, for a fan in Long Beach. So if that fan is around, you could have the first autograph of Chris Jericho. <laughs> and the last question before I let you go, it has to be Van Halen, David Lee Roth one. Your cruise, you named one of your cruises after an obscure David Lee Roth lyric. So what is your favorite <laughs> David Lee Roth solo album? And is it Sonrisa Salvaje? And by the way, that is exactly where I got that from. Oscar, Grammy, triple whammy, cut. It's a take from It's Showtime. Um, I mean, Sonrisa Salvaje is such a weird experiment. And I've been trying to get Roth on Talk is Jericho for years. Uh, I almost had him right before the pandemic and then the lockdown shut everything down. But why he did the entire Eat Him and Smile album in Spanish, I have no idea. It's, it's a very Roth thing to do, though. But I mean, listen, I re-fell in love with A Little Ain't Enough. It's very underrated. I wish that Roth could have done at least just one show with Jason Becker. I would have loved to have seen the set list between the Eddie tunes, the Vi tunes, and his own stuff. But you can't beat Eat Him and Smile. It's We always say it's the best, most technical prog rock party album of all time. And for Dave to come out of the gate with that album after leaving Van Halen, because you're like, oh my gosh, what's he going to do? And that was just like, holy shit. It took me about three or four years before I even gave 5150 a shot because I was like, well, eat him and smile wins. And now obviously you realize that 5150 is a brilliant yeah. album too. But for me, I was Roth all the way. And it's like, he's, he's winning. And we, we went to the arena. He played arenas on his first solo tour. And then just the bottom fell out. And of course, you can't beat... Eddie and you know Van Halen took over again but but that even smile to this day even though it's only 30 minutes long it's very short but still like I said the most technically advanced prog rock party album of all time 
I've never heard it called that. And that is perfect. Right though. Right. It's perfectly perfect description. Yeah. Well, Hey, thank you for the many years of great entertainment. Looking forward to whatever's coming next. Terrifier three, perhaps, but in the meantime, congrats on your championship win and looking forward to it all. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. Good talking to you. Grace, aside from being asked the same questions over and over and over again, how's your day going today? Oh, very nice. It's going good so far. How about you? I'm fine as far as I know. And Tell Me Lies, acclaimed, acclaimed Hulu series. When you were cast in the role, how many scripts or episodes did you have right away that you'd know the story would be advancing? It took me a while to get um, more than the first episode, but I, I was hooked from just the pilot. I, it set up so many ways that it could go, but ultimately I just fell in love with Lucy and kind of her journey and knowing that she was about to explode in some way or another. How much of Lucy is there in The Real Grace? I think, I think a good amount. I think definitely I, I relate to her, you know, and have compared her to my younger self at 18 um, and not really knowing who I was and, and kind of having a little bit of an emotional wall up out of fear of getting hurt. So I definitely relate to parts of her. And I've had the pleasure. So <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I'm glad it's not 100% either. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, I am not Lucy. <laughs> but I've had the pleasure of interviewing most of your castmates and they can't go 20 seconds without making a joke. I mean that in a good way. It seems like a, a warm group of people who are funny. The second that says cut, do I have that correct? Yeah, you are spot on with that. There was no, uh, no shortage of, of humor on this set for sure. In your case, with it being an intense show like that, when they say cut, are you able to become yourself within 30 seconds or does it take a while and no one's allowed to call you anything but Lucy? <laughs> I wouldn't say I'm, I'm full method with it, but um, I like, I like being, in the, being in the zone and uh, probably why I had to do a little bit of a sanity check when I finished because I didn't realize how, how much I was kind of... Uh, drawn into Lucy and and in her kind of headspace so but it's it's hard to kind of you know it felt like I got to live out my college experience especially with all those guys and it was so much fun as as well as being you know intense and and with the context of the show you know it was a good balance were all 10 episodes filmed in the same session the same month or so no, it was, we shot in blocks. So we do, we do about two episodes at the same time. Um, and each director did two episodes. So we worked with one director on two episodes and then uh, John, John Levine, who did the pilot and Robin Wright, who just did the finale. So other than that, it was two episodes at a time. Got it. So highlight for the series, anything that you can share along those lines before I ask my last question? I would say episode seven was the best time. It, we, we all lived in a lake house together. Um, not the lake house we shot in, but we all rented this, this lake house and lived together. And uh, basically it was as if we were, we were just getting filmed the whole time. <laughs> 
lake houses are fun depending on which state it's in. I wouldn't <laughs> want to be in a, well, never mind. We don't have to throw any state. <laughs> we don't have to go in there. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, uh, yeah. Last question before I let you go. Uh, obviously, we're talking about Tell Me Lies. Are you allowed to say what's next or what else you're working on at the moment? Because IMDb is keeping that a secret, it seems. <laughs> Nothing I can I can announce quite yet, but um, but I'm excited and I'm excited to share when I can. So I guess to read through the lines here, that means follow you on Instagram and keep checking deadline.com for updates. That's right. Okay. Grace, <laughs> continued success at you. Thank you for your time. Thank you so much. Have a great day. It's awesome to be speaking with so many people at once and work in the room around. Kevin, I'll throw this one at you first. Um, I say accursed. Is it accursed to anybody? And is that correct? It is what you want it to be, buddy. I mean, uh, half the people <laughs> are saying accursed, which is my first time I've heard it. It's accursed. It's accursed. It's whatever you want it to be. It's, you know, it's our movie, right? So it's like, it's fine. But yeah, the accursed. That's what we went with. Accursed. Like tomato, tomato, right? I don't know. Is it just that's only? right. Well, yeah. accursed yeah. sounds like a great metal band name. So feel free to use accursed. that if any of you need a metal band. But well, let, let's do it. Let's do the accursed. We played metal when we saw the demon for the first time. I told the guys, Iron Maiden, 666, number of the beast when the demon comes out. We got to play it. So we did. And that was cool. No objections from me. So, Kevin, the second question to you, and then we're going to work the room around. And which of these fine actresses on the line with us was the first to come on board? And are you allowed to say that? Oh, boy, man. Um, hmm. They all kind of came the same time. Everybody at the same time. It wasn't like I got one. It's like they all uh i i worked on the script and and we, we were putting it together and we kind of just took it to them and yeah so it was all kind of it this was a movie of all my films i mean it really i'm not gonna say easy because no movies comes together easy believe right. me but in a simplest form it came together rather quickly and i knew that we were on the right track because again i i, I use that word organic i just felt this organic vibe that it was just natural and that they gravitated to the material. And, and then when we talked, we, we liked each other and we just hit it off every one of us. And, and it just felt like we were on, on a right, on the right course, you know, so. Good to hear. And everyone seems to still like each other on this call. I'll throw <laughs> the first one at Alexis. Uh, Alexis, had you worked with anybody on this call before being cast in the accursed or the accursed? Um, no, it was a brand new, um, a brand new playing field for me. Um, yeah, I, I had never met anybody before. I, I knew who Mina was. I knew who Sarah was. I watched The Order, um, but uh, I never met any of them personally. Sarah, same question at you. First time? Yeah, first time with everyone. But I was so lucky. I mean, I absolutely love everyone on this project. Mina, same question. Pardon the lack of originality in this one. Uh, I just lack of originality in my answer because it's just the same. I don't <laughs> first time meeting everyone, and um, yeah, you know, that's when great things can happen. Well, Mina, in this role, we see some great suspense out of you, some great creepiness out of you. Uh, did, did it take a lot of prep or anything like that to get into this kind of character, which is definitely a change for you? I don't want to give my secrets away. No. <laughs> um, 
I mean, it, uh, this was a very quick shoot. Um, we didn't have, you know, months and months of prep, you know, we had, uh, conversations, which I feel like in this day and age, you're, you're uh, lucky to get. Yeah. So we had some, some great calls, you know, I really connected with Kevin. Um, I felt like I had a, a, a pretty good grasp on, um, you know, what he was, uh, expecting from me. And then, um, a lot of that for me really just, um, you know, comes to life once I'm there, getting to meet everyone, hearing everyone else's interpretations, seeing the environment, experiencing the hair and makeup and all of that really um, made it all come together for me and finding Alma. Hmm. Uh, Sarah, was there a highlight for you in making this movie? And, and the follow-up question, does anyone call you Sierra and you just hate it because they're saying your name totally wrong with an accent? Uh, not that I've noticed, no. <laughs> um, but if they do, it's totally fine. <laughs> <laughs> Favorite part, honestly, fear of sounding corny, but it really is the people. Like it makes the experience, you know? Um, you could have a great character, but if you're working with, you know, difficult people, people you don't really connect with, it's just not gonna be fun. So I was really lucky to, you know, Kevin, awesome director, wonderful, beautiful human. And then the cast that I had, I mean, I was super excited to work with these women and um, yeah, so it was really just the, the people was such a highlight for me. Uh, Alexis, if I can throw one at you here, who's the cat? <laughs> That's Snow Owl. Uh, her name's Snow Owl. I call her Snow Quo. I have seven cats right now, but you know. Seven um, cats. Should have okay. five, according to the neighborhood. Um, um, it's a temporary name, but it's kind of sticking. She needs a goddess name. Her mom's a goddess, etc. But I have to say, like, it's a, uh, yeah, it, it, it is a completely different experience when you don't connect with your castmates. Um, it really, if you, it's nice when there's a natural flow. If, if there isn't, if a castmate isn't responding to your attempts at connection um, and isn't making the effort, then, I mean, it's very offensive and it, it affects the movie. Um, so yeah, I just want to throw that in there. So to have people that are, are willing to work with you and, and be kind and build camaraderies, um, that's definitely the secret ingredient to any successful film. Hmm. Well, the last question I'm gonna ask all of you at leading with you first, Alexis, before I let you all go is, what project is next? Yes, we're talking about the accursed, the accursed, however you want to say it, but what's next from you? I'm doing a film called Witchy Ways, and that's a romance uh, spooky genre. I wouldn't quite call it horror at all, but it is on the spooky side of things, but it's a LGBTQ romance, and I haven't done that yet. Jesus, no, goodness gracious. Sorry about that. Um, as well as another one called Don't Come Over. And in that one, I played three different characters. And wow. one of them is in Toledo's as well, so. That sounds very interesting on both ends. Sarah, at you, if you're allowed to say and you're not under a deadline.com or Hollywood Reporter embargo, are you allowed to say what's next? I can't say right now, but hopefully I'll do something, uh a bit lighter <laughs> in my future. I always say that and I always end up coming back to horror and like intense drama. So who knows? 
Nice people doing dramas. What can you say? Mina, same question at you. Are you allowed to say what's next? Um, I had a film on Lifetime called House of Change just premiere. And then I'm, I have a film called Reagan coming out. Um, I played Jane Weinman and um, a film called Breakwater coming out um, soon. So just keep checking the damn IMDb pages and you'll see all these great projects. Kevin, not uh, last but not least here, as writer, director, producer, occasional actor, according to IMDb, uh, yeah. what's coming up from you before I let you all go? Um, I, I finished a movie called um, Oak um, that has uh, Armando Sante and, and Joy Lauren Adams and a great young cast, so I'm in post on that. And then I've got about three or four projects I'm looking at right now. And we'll just see as the movie, I always say the movie gods, you know, when it's, when it's going to happen, it's going to happen. All these things are moving pieces and everyone knows it's just things have to click. And I just, you know, whatever I do, I, I want to make sure that I have, you know, I'm hundred percent vested into it and I'm not, I don't want to do something just to do it, you know? So all these movies, for me, take a piece of the soul a little bit, right? So I just want to make sure it's the right one with working with the right people. And we, I got this right with this wonderful cast. And they were just fantastic. Amen to that. Looking forward to everyone's work. Thank you all for your time. And looking forward to the metal band, The Accursed, coming in 2023. The Accursed. <laughs> Thank you, Darren. Thanks all. Take care. Bye. Thank you for doing this. Apologies for the mix-up on the timing on my end. Aside from keeping you waiting, good day for you so far? Oh, yeah, man. Just woke up and made a little bit of breakfast, you know what I'm saying? Oh. Uh, that's about it. I was going to go to the gym, but not today. I'm going to enjoy the rest of my rest day. Well, when you have a big victory like you did a couple of days ago, I'm curious, how long does the celebration or the not feeling obligated to go to the gym go for? A week, one week, seven full days of absolute nothing. But I'm probably sure I'll go paintballing this weekend. So. <laughs> um, you had that hometown victory in Long Beach, California. I'm dialing in from Long Beach, New York. Have you ever been to Long Beach, New York? No. <laughs> I've been to New York couple of places but not long beach got it in the future we'll get you out here but congratulations on that great win how much of that win was because of monster energy oh man a lot you gotta you gotta feel the beast if you're not feeling the beast then what are you doing uh yeah monster feels the beast very well yes they sent out the congratulatory press release on your victory. So I'm sure that raised a few eyebrows and a, a few people became more aware. But when you're fighting in front of a hometown crowd like you were, is there more pressure or is it more enjoyment or both? I would say it's just more enjoyment. Uh, yeah, more more enjoyment. I don't really feel the pressure. Um, yeah, I love fighting in front of my home crowd. It's just fun, you know what I mean? You got all the energy there that's for you. You know everybody's there for you. I guess it does add a little bit of pressure because it's like, oh, my God, everybody's here for me. But nah, I just I get I, I love the pressure. You know, I'm, I'm an Aries, April 7th. My diamond diamonds, my birthstone. So like the pressure, I don't really feel I just I just do well under. it. When uh, coming from a music entertainment background like like I am before I got into MMA and all that stuff. 
artists usually hate playing in their hometown because there's all that, oh, are they on the guest list? Oh, can we get 10 more spots on the guest list? And it becomes like three times the work to play in their hometown. I assume you're not dealing with the box office, but do you have that kind of a thing that when you're fighting close to Long Beach that the, uh, the extra meet and greets and all that stuff? Oh, definitely. The, the tickets are always just ridiculously insane. Everybody wants tickets. Everybody wants to wait until two days before, the day before, the day of. And it's like, are you kidding me? Like, just go buy one at the box office at this point. But, you know, um, everybody's just looking out. Everybody's trying to help and support. So we, we never leave anybody out. Outro cast.